1: Today is Wednesday, January twenty second, twenty twenty, season fifteen, episode one twelve of the break. Live from Mobile, Alabama, and the Reese's Senior Bowl. David Hellman, Nick Eatman. I'm Kyle Yeomans filling in for
2: Derek Eagleton. How much did Derek pay you to like know the episode zero and all that stuff? I don't believe zero.
3: I went back and listened to it. Now the thing is, what'd you find when he went back and listened (laughs) to it? This is the first time it's been correct all year. He hasn't switched it to twenty twenty.
2: Yeah. Well he goes the first two. He goes by a completely different. Oh, does he calendar. go by season? He goes by the start of the league year. It's his own thing. <laughs> Did not mean to have a five minute discussion about Derek's uh show sequence I just thought that. it was Here interesting that he said that
3: he keeps saying twenty nineteen and we've never caught him. That means we're not paying attention. That's okay. That's okay.
1: <laughs> it's all good. I went back and, and listened to it to to pick it up just to kinda like bring it up for you to listen to i'm all over the place but we are live from mobile alabama the reese's senior bowl all the week long here on dot com. this is not the draft show despite the the background cowboys break being represented by these two uh from dallas com. but guys uh, a fun week already day one in the books day two coming up today we'll be heading out to practices here in just a little bit but really after day one of the Senior Bowl, there were a lot of storylines Cowboys-wise. Steven Jones talked to the media, and then uh, you guys really got a chance to to dive in and look at some of these guys that the Cowboys could potentially be looking
3: for come draft day in April. Yeah, this is the the time of year where, you're kind of still talking about last year, but not as much, you know, now because you got a coaching change, all eyes are forward. But, you know, this is – you can look at the, the players on the field and, you know, are, do you need do you need some of these guys? Are they going to come in? Are they going to fit in, in this team? And then, of course, you got one eye on the field. you got also, like, where's Steven? Where's Jerry? You know, the, that's kind of why – another reason why we're here. So the Senior Bowl always has, like, multiple purposes that you're trying
2: to, to figure out here. Some Cowboys, some future Cowboys maybe. Yeah, it. Uh, I think it speaks to what's going on with the Cowboys right now that this is as small of a contingent as I can ever remember coming to the Senior Bowl for the team. We sent everybody <laughs> yeah, because that, that's what we do. But, uh, I mean, Jerry Jones was barely in Mobile. I think he had to go uh, to an award ceremony in Houston last night. Mike McCarthy and his coaching staff stayed back. So this is really – this is Stephen Jones in the scouting department. Uh, like I said, I don't want to call it bare bones because the whole scouting department is here, but I think it speaks to the focus that Mike McCarthy's got on what they need to get going at the Star, getting his program in place. Uh, And as a draft nerd, I kind of dig that, like, the focus is so on the draft here at the Senior Bowl, which is obviously the point. But to Nick's point, there's usually so many other things going on here, but it really seems like the Cowboys are focused on the draft. And
3: we've we've done these in the past where Jerry talks for – 30, 40 minutes and then steven will talk for 30 minutes and will McClay maybe and and you know it was nine and a half minutes yesterday with steven Jones now some of that ha- could have been the fact that it was really cold like I, <laughs> I, I I don't care what the phone says of how cold it was it says 42 degrees whatever it was it was worse than that and oh, yeah. I was only down there for 10 minutes all these guys that are in here that are behind the scenes working on this stuff. They were bundled up and it was like an Arctic freeze down there. Yeah, that's Scott so... Purcell was in a ski jacket yeah. the whole time and uh, having fun with that. But that's why stephen Jones after about five minutes was like anything else guys? Like, you you guys good? Out here. No, we're not. We can we, do we this in Dallas, talk. can't yeah. we? <laughs> but it, it there wasn't a, a lot that kind of came out of yesterday. We can we can get into some of it obviously we will but but it, it you know there wasn't this hard pressing like oh my God I can't believe that, you know Sure, Jason Witten, still still not talking about Jason Witten. Happy for Jason Garrett. I mean, mm-hmm. things that, you know, you kind of expected. Kind of going
1: back to the coaching staff before we get into Stephen, we'll hear the, the, some of the quotes from Stephen here in just a moment. But uh, with M- Mike McCarthy and, and his move here from Green Bay originally, where he didn't necessarily have a whole lot of say come draft process-wise, does that speak to him uh, trusting the scouting staff so early on in his tenure by Sticking back and not being in mobile, or is this just kind of uh, uh, changing of the guard in terms of the coaching staff and, and what he has to do back in in Frisco?
3: I I I think it's a little bit of both. Actually, both. yeah, I do think that uh you know with the Senior Bowl, it was like, all right, you guys, go out there, let's find some good players. Tell me, tell me the guys we need to be looking at, and then when we get to the combine and, and maybe some pro days. We'll, we'll look at them. You know, we'll, we'll tell you what we think and if maybe break some ties or whatever. But they're still in that process, you know, evaluate the guys, tell us who's out there, and then we'll we'll give you our input when it's time.
2: Well, I, I – that is one of the most fascinating storylines for me for this entire offseason is what that relationship is going to be like. Because, I mean, I mean, if you watch the draft show or you follow the draft process, it's a tale as old as time that – it's such a collective process and the coaches had a large say in that. You know, Tristan Hill the coaches had a large say in getting him to Dallas. The coaches were in love with Leighton Vanderesh, not to dog on him too much. I mean, they made some good decisions too, but they had a heavy hand in that process. We are still trying to figure out just how heavy Mike McCarthy's hand is going to be. You know, it's one thing for him to say, you know, we want good players. Let's go find some good players. But when it gets down to nut cutting time, are are they really going to sit back and not be part of it? Because that hasn't been the way that it's been with the Cowboys for the last decade. So, you know, we tried to talk to Stephen Jones about that yesterday. I think it's still early in the process to really have a firm handle on how that's going to work. But I can't wait to see. What that collective decision making process is going to look like with the new regime
1: and with the new regime and everything that has to kind of be put in place for McCarthy as a whole, what is it going to be like and how much realistic film are these guys going to watch before the draft process is is really getting into crunch time
2: right that's that's what i'm saying that's I mean, the biggest thing, and, and like I said, they will like yeah. they're not just going to ignore the process like that would be <laughs> uh criminal you know i mean you you want your coaches to be part of selecting your draft class, but like I said, I mean what? Mike McCarthy's been hired for about 3 weeks mm-hmm. and his coaching staff's been in place for less than that. So I don't think that they're ready to hit the ground running on that as of yet. That's, you know, Mike didn't bring his staff here, which I think is a great decision honestly with all the stuff they've got to get squared away. But, you know, February, March, you know, you're going to bring in, you know, you're still bringing in official visitors. They get a bunch of uh, 30 of them to bring into this facility. Obviously your coaching staff is going to be part of that. So again, really interested to see just how hands-on or hands-off they are
1: looking at what Stephen Jones also talked about yesterday talked a little bit about Jason Witten uh and also just the where the priority lies in terms of these free agents and uh exactly what the Cowboys are going to do in order to attack those free agents let's take a listen
3: Quote, unquote, well, it's already—it's uh, been urgent for us. Uh, we want to certainly get that done, and uh, we'll, you know, that's our number one priority uh, as we go into the off-season, is to get his contract. Hopefully, uh, you know, find some resolution to it and get that done. Do you have any idea on what we can, idea on Jason in the future there with him has there been anything? had discussions with him. There's really nothing there to comment on. You talked about last offseason a lot at this time was taking
1: the next step even though you have all these free agents you have a new coaching staff is that still
3: the goal? Is it really Absolutely and uh, no I think we've got a good uh, you know good team that's in its prime uh, we've got a good mixture of players and you know part of the reason why Jerry and I were really set on finding a, not only a coach with experience but a coach that had you know, had real success in the playoffs and, uh, you know, played in big games, and that was very important that we find that guy because we do believe this team, you know, can uh, certainly have that type of success. Does, does putting a franchise tag on a quarterback change a lot of what you would want to do in free agency? Like, I mean, does it, does it limit you if you have to, if you that tag? No, no. We can work around that. The Jones
1: saying there definitively. Dak Prescott's our guy. He's our number one priority in free agency. That's not necessarily new, right? But the thing is, he said Amari is number two. Amari's the second priority. Where does that kind of resonate with you guys? Because now it kind of sets the pecking order as to what the Cowboys are going to do in the offseason.
3: Well, and I I think it should because you know when when Dak is the key to everything here. Um, I asked even yesterday about can you. Function with all the things you want to do if you're giving him a franchise tag and he sounded like that was no big deal Sure, that's just 30 million on the cap, right? Or what is it
2: 20? Well, it's 33 if they go Mm -hmm. exclusive which but I mean they got 88 million in cap space I think which I get it They've got like 27 guys to resign but the Cowboys have a lot of room to work with. Yeah, they do
3: I I just Thirty-three
2: million, just like that. I would. I mean, we'll throw another sixteen on top of it if you transition tag Amari Cooper. Now you're yeah. talking. Well, I mean, I'm not good at math, but that's about fifty million. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. You don't <laughs> want to do that. And then no. where does
1: that put the rest of your roster? Guys like Byron Jones. Have on the fun. Back end.
2: Yeah, exactly. You're
1: Byron. you're you're basically writing him off at that point.
3: Yeah, and and that's when when he was walking off, he said one and two, and it wasn't a one A and one B. This was a <laughs> Dak is
2: one and Amari's two. And so uh, I don't think that's super surprising, though. No, I mean, I mean, it's it's something we could have guessed that, and I think you know, there's always going to be the contingent of people that want to try to deal Dak or you know find somebody in the draft. That's not going to happen. I don't know how many times have you been hit up for Joe Burrow? More times than I can count. (laughs) And it's fun to talk about, but it's not going to happen. Which I'm, but I am interested to see what exactly that looks like because if I had to guess, Dak is heading for a franchise tag like that. You just Mm -hmm. you don't see very many of these negotiations sort themselves out before the start of the league year. Because, I mean, theoretically, Dak could hit free agency and see how much he's truly worth. Obviously, he would want to do that.
3: And it's gone so far. It's gone so far here where even the season was gone. It's been some really good moments from Dak. It's been some moments where, you know, he he obviously – could, could be better. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, he was an 8-8 eight eight quarterback. And, and, yes, he put up a lot of yards. And, and he had some moments of, of growth, Um, you know, even though one of the coaches there is no longer here. I mean, John Kitten, I think Kitten helped a lot. I think Kellen Moore, I'm sure, helped some uh, as well. But, I, I, you know, the fact is is that I, Dak, he didn't end the season the way you want him to. You want his this guy to be clutch, make plays in the fourth quarter, bring them back when they need to. He didn't do that. Uh, Do I think he's still a franchise quarterback? Yes. I mean, he's the guy. I I wouldn't change it. I just don't know if he helped himself from a money standpoint. And then there's going to be guys that did. There's guys that went on over the top that that are – you know, have elevated themselves. It's a strong free agents class of quarterbacks. Well I,
1: and I think you can go all the way back to last year's off season with Dak, especially the, the talks that were had going into the preseason when they really kind of ramped up and that's where you got the thirty to forty million kind of range that they were talking about in there. And I think Dak at that moment said, You know what? Let's let's put a pause on this. Let me bet on myself. Let me bet on myself for just a little bit. And it worked out at the beginning. It looked like the first couple weeks of the season he was going to win that bet and he was going to win it outright. And I'm not going to say he necessarily lost the bet because I feel like we're right back where we started last year, right right around the, the low 30s potentially being that number
2: that really gets this deal done. I think he won it, to be totally honest with you. And you I think le- so? Yes, absolutely. And l- I know he went 8-8. Eight and eight. I know he didn't get the job done. But how much did he win it, though? That's the question. All I know is the San Francisco 49ers set the market with Jimmy Garoppolo back at $27 million three years ago off the strength of eight games. And it looks great right now because he's in the Super Bowl. They had no idea that was going to happen when they signed him to that deal. Mm-hmm. Same thing with – I mean, uh, does Derek Carr have a better resume than Dak Prescott? No, no. But he set the market at one time in his life. Matt Stafford ma- – Dak has already accomplished more than Matt Stafford in terms of, like, postseason success. I'm not saying it's a lot, but he has. And so and he set the market. like, And that, that's what I always argue with people about is that's just the way these things work. And I think—sorry, I know no, you want, you got no, a point to make, but Dak was already in the range with Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, and he went out and had the best season of his career. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but if anything, I think he firmly entrenched himself in— in the low to mid 30 range he might not set the market but he he's not going below that and the and then you know the other part which stephen jones did an amazing job of not answering the question is pat mahomes and deshaun watson are eligible to negotiate contracts this offseason pat mahomes is probably going to be the first 40 million dollar player in nfl history and all of a sudden Dak's price ceiling goes up like you could pay him 34 right now but if Pat Mahomes gets 40 in two months, and all of a sudden Dak says, well, I want 37 if mm-hmm. Pat gets 40. And again, I, I know people don't want to hear that, but that's just the way these types of things work. So I think Dak yeah. Prescott is sitting pretty right See, now. If,
3: but to me, if Mahomes gets 40, if I'm the Cowboys, I'm like, how could you even be 37? How could you even be close to that? Like, I, is how is he close to Pat Mahomes at all? Yeah. I mean,
2: statistically, because that's Super what, Bowl. That's what the Chiefs' willingness to pay Mahomes says a starting quarterback is worth. That's why.
3: Right, but I'm just saying, you know, that to me, when Russell Wilson got in at 36, I was like, okay, well, how can you be higher than that? I yeah. mean, you're not. He's
1: one of the best but, quarterbacks mean, in the league. He won a
3: Super Bowl. If they would have run the ball, he wins two Super Bowls. You know, I mean, they he's got – He's 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 just done more with his career, and I think Pat Mahomes has as well. Even Watson has. So I I don't know. It just depends on. You think where Watson's they... done more than Dak?
1: Uh, he hasn't been to
3: an AFC Championship
1: yeah. game. He's lost, lost
3: four divisional rounds.
1: Neither is Dak. But yeah, yeah. I know that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if anything, they're even. Yeah, I guess
3: they're I guess they're even. One you're, year you're behind right. in the draft. How many class. playoff wins
1: does Watson have? It can't be more than uh, one or not, two, right? I think it's two. Okay, because yeah.
3: they've well, no, they've won
1: four division titles.
2: Or division? Oh, I, I don't know. It's this its right only, around three, probably. Yeah, this is only his third year. Which, to go back to my point, though, I, I know Garoppolo's in the Super Bowl. His resume was not better when he set the market. Neither was Derek Carr's. Kirk Cousins just fine like he just made his longest playoff push and he got obliterated in the divisional round just like that did so those, yeah. those deals to me are always 50% what you've done
3: 50% of what you're going to do and you know if that's the case with Mahomes that's really scary cuz i mean if he's getting paid what he's done and what he's going to do it's going to be higher it, it, then 40 may not be may not get it done for
2: true him. no and uh, you're 100% right Listen, Pat Mahomes is in his category all of his own. That's not the point I'm trying to make. But if Pat Mahomes signs that deal this offseason, like, that's the way negotiations work. Dak and his people are going to see that. I would be shocked if they're going to try to, like, compete with Mahomes' number. But they're going to say, well, we slot in here now, you know, because – $36 Thirty-six million a year is all of a sudden a lot less than top of the market. It's just it's just the way it works, which all is right. why I think it's so important for them to get this deal done sooner rather than later.
3: What if the Chiefs? I mean, they're not in a hurry. They don't have to do no. This they absolutely us. don't.
2: They absolutely do not. They've got him under contract for two more years. They could pay. I mean, God, can you imagine
3: what he will make in his fourth year if he's a, if he's unreal again?
2: Yeah. Well, what if
3: they just say we're not doing anything right now? I mean, he he's probably we would hold out.
2: He could. That I mean, it's fat. I mean, he is so far and away like the best player in the NFL right now. Just yeah. in terms like what he brings to that team. And that's the, you know, we're sitting here arguing Dak's credentials. He can't say anything about Mahomes. No. I mean, he's been to the AFC title game in both of his years as the starter. He made it to the Super Bowl in his second season. Like, Very well could win the
1: Super Bowl. There's, in his second
2: there's like no knock on his credentials at all. You can't do anything with it, which, yeah, I mean, he could almost name his price. Well, and I think the argument that you,
1: you brought up about comparing Dak and Deshaun Watson's resume... I think that needs to probably stand true. I mean, that's where I see where you're you're talking about in terms of the the contract potentially for Dak growing a little bit because Deshaun Watson's in that same conversation right now as Patrick Mahomes as those guys that could be re contract-wise. But we'll dive deeper into that coming up here in just a little bit. Let's take a quick break. When we come back here on Cowboys Break, we will dive in a little bit deeper into the Senior Bowl and look at some of these individuals that the Cowboys potentially could be picking up in the first round and maybe even a little bit later come April in the NFL Draft. We'll be back in a minute here on DallasCowboys.com radio.
0: Like, such a great deal uh, it's okay just okay what's not too- right above the subway well I bet you don't even notice it after the-
2: that's my neighbor Angus
0: a deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with America's best network come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for zero dollars down based on GWS1 score September 2019 back to the break. Welcome
1: back. This is the break. Live from Mobile, Alabama, the Reese's Senior Bowl. Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Kyle Yeoman's with you as I fill in for Derek Eagleton on the road here uh, from Alabama. And guys, the Senior Bowl this week. And we talked a little bit about Stephen Jones and the Dak in Amari contract situation going on this offseason. But uh, of course, he was here for a reason. He was watching players. He was scouting a little bit, uh, even though it may have only just been for a couple moments yesterday. He only stayed for the first practice, which was the South team uh, here in Mobile. But uh, at the same time, he, in speaking with you guys and the, the rest of the media following that first practice, kind of talked about the shift of players and the importance of the Cowboys to potentially draft just playmakers, yeah. as opposed to fitting them into schemes, which is what we've been used to seeing as Cowboys fans for, for quite some time. How much is a shift is that? You know, is that a huge shift, monumental, that Cowboys fans don't even really know where to look at because it's been so such uh, – a common thing
3: for us. I think uh, you know I asked the question to Steven. I thought he was going to give me an answer of like, well, that's kind of what we've always done. But he didn't. He said, no, it is kind of a change. And mm-hmm. and you know, it's we've talked about this before. We we hate when when there was free agents there. Like, why don't they get this guy? You know, he's he's a great player, and they need this position. They need a safety. They need a linebacker. They need this guy. And, yeah, he's not a good scheme fit. These defensive tackle's not a good scheme fit. And we're like, all right, well, this scheme's got you eight and eight. And I'm like what? You know, it's just been frustrating. Yeah. So now we'll see if it if it actually goes down like this, but it, it just sounds like let's just get the players in, let's see what we've got, and then then we'll we'll figure
2: it out. That kind of goes back to what I was saying. I I want to see how that works because like at the end like there's gonna be some element of that. You know, yeah. like I mean, you're not gonna draft a quarterback. At seventeen, potentially, if you, of course, if you resign back, yeah. you're not going to go for certain spots. Well, not spots, only not, not only that, but I mean, okay. you, you can even look at free agency, and you know, I mean, Mike Nolan's going to have a preferred type of safety that he thinks can play well for him, or or defensive tackle, for that matter. It might be a completely different archetype from what we're used to under Rod Marinelli, but coaches are still going to have their preference. But I wonder. Again, how much say will they have or will they just, you know, I I love the idea. I really I need to we need to find Will McClay and talk to him. (laughs) I love the idea of Mike McCarthy just giving him a spreadsheet of like this is what we're looking for in terms of traits at every position go do your thing. And yeah. that's I mean that's how I would ideally like this to go is if Wills kind of got the grocery list and he's like, "All right, this is what they're looking for. I think I can figure this out." Mm-hmm. That would be interesting to look at just to see the the kind of conversations that that would
1: be had between the coaching staff and the the scouting department with like we talked about in the first segment, such a
2: new rapport between those two departments, the the coaching staff and scouting. And Stephen did – I mean, Stephen said yesterday that there have already been some productive talks between, yeah. you know, McCarthy and, and the friend Will and him and Jerry, just kind of the whole front office brain trust. I mean, it hasn't been a long time, but obviously – I mean you want to get those ducks in a row heading into the draft process. It almost
3: sounds like you don't need it as much. Yeah. You don't you don't really need to to make sure you know, if you had a new scout that came in like let's say last year or two years ago and he's like I got this defensive tackle, they're like, Whoa, whoa. Do you know what Rod Marinelli likes and all that well, no but well, you need to. You need to figure it out. In this case, it's like, all right, I got some two or three really good players. We're going to figure this out, and and you guys decide which one you like. I like this one over this one, and you know, and, and it's not like you have to know the coaches and, and you know scouts. That don't need to go on some retreat together and hang out and know each other. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. it's like, and clearly they didn't. You know, they didn't. They didn't come here for you know. But th- again, there's still a combine. That's really when it gets. When it gets serious yeah. now now you start ramping it up a little bit
2: yeah i mean that's you know i i kind of loved mike mccarthy's honesty last week when he met with us and i mean he's got a lot of work to do getting everything together in frisco but he was also like yeah i mean the, the, you know the tape is like hd quality well like what do i need to be in mobile for i can just flip it on <laughs> in my office i was like you're absolutely right like if you're not networking, I mean, I get why the scouts are here. That makes sense. But, like, if you're not looking for a job or looking to network in this day and age, I'm not sure what benefit there is for a coach to be here. Because you're going to have a chance to meet with all these guys in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. They can come to your facility. You can go work them out. You're going to have about 25 opportunities to see all of these guys. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate McCarthy's honesty. Like, yeah, I mean, we can we can watch these practices anywhere. And they won.
3: I mean, that was that was the winner because, you know, if we, they're going to get the tape and they're going to watch it in 72-degree, you know, yeah, well, uh, for real. yeah. they're good. For real. Yeah, they didn't have to put on four layers
1: or five layers you to know, get out. A lot of use out of my heavy jackets the, this the week. The Gulf Coast weather. Um, with all that being said, you, you're talking about McCarthy and the, the generality that he has in terms of saying we aren't going to define a scheme yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said last week that there's going to be four men up front on the defensive side. Took a while to get that out. Too. Exactly. It's like – little did really want to say that. He really didn't. But even when he said it, he still kind of backtracked it a little bit and said, hey, we're going to run everything, though. Good. Watch out. We're going to run a little bit of everything. Let's Good. go. Is this mindset in terms of going and scouting players based off of the fact that you don't really know exactly what scheme you're going to run on defense and the majority of our draft needs are probably
2: relying on that side of the ball? Well, I think – I mean, they've got a better idea than we do, obviously, yeah. And I, which, again, I think it's exciting because – You know, the analogy I always beat into the ground with the, you know, the Garrett regime was like color by numbers, you know, is like, well, this is our defensive tackle and he goes (laughs) here and this is our cornerback. And he did like just very regimented. And that's, you know, that's why a guy like Tyron Matthew supposedly didn't fit here. Cause basically they were like, well, he doesn't have a clear cut position, so we don't know what to do with him. That drove me up the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause he's clearly a really good player. Uh, he's all pro and going to the super bowl. Um, It's exciting to think that they can be changing that attitude. You know, maybe this will be a multiple defense. Maybe we'll see some 3 4 looks. We'll see some 4 3 looks. 4 2 5. You know, Belichick's up in New England running like a 2 3 7 or whatever the hell alignment that was this year. (laughs) It's exciting to think that they could do a little bit of all of that. And so we're going to figure it out as the draft process goes. But like right now, I don't know what they're looking for, and that's like that. I feel like that is one of our biggest assignments from now until April is to figure out what they have their eye on in this draft. And I think it'll be before
3: that is when you'll really see kind of what they're looking for. You'll see a mentality change. In March, I mean, when because we talked about 25, 26 free agents that they've got, you know, a lot of those guys are on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. So we're going to find out kind of how they feel about these guys, Robert Quinn, Malik Collins, you know, the, some. I guess there's there more, or uh, well, I guess Michael Bennett is in that group yeah. too. Yeah. You know, wh- where do they put the value on some of those defensive linemen, and maybe defensive linemen from other teams? You know, that that's the one thing that that I think we kind of overlook a lot is, you know mike mccarthy as opposed to other coaches that have come from you know like let's say joe judge who was working who was in you know new, new england mm-hmm. and now he's with the giants so you ask him about somebody from the bears and he's like well you know we didn't play the bears or but like mike mccarthy supposedly they were looking at all teams last year. So from free agent standpoint, it's going to be interesting to see how well-equipped he is to, to know what's out there in the landscape of free agency because supposedly he was watching not every game, as he said, but he watched a lot of games.
1: And he backtracked on that one a little bit okay. <laughs> during the no, during yeah, the press I, conference. I, I, we'll okay. Do what understood. you gotta do. Live your do life, it. man. Yeah, exactly. And, and one of the guys, you mentioned the defensive <laughs> line needing some holes to fill. One of the guys that could potentially – fill those holes at defensive line. Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle out of South Carolina, could be there at 17 for the Cowboys. He's at the Senior Bowl here in Mobile. We got a chance to talk to him yesterday, and he said something pretty interesting about where he thinks he could be as compared to Aaron Donald. Um,
3: I think I can be better. Honestly, that's just the, uh, the expectations I have for myself, and that's just how high I am on myself. So, uh, quite the
1: confidence from Mister Kinlaw with the uh, here at the Senior Bowl saying that I think I could be better than Aaron Donald. If,
3: if the NFL scouts think that too, he won't be at
2: seventeen. That's fair. So, I mean, if that's what if they think hey, anywhere but close to that, Donald Donald fell to what thirteen. Something like Ten? that. He I think was, I it was mean, right outside the top 10. It's crazy to think that he – I mean, he did not go close to the top five by first-round standards.
3: What is, what is uh, Ken Law's, like, height, weight, and all that? 6'6",
2: six, six, over 300. Yeah, 302, so, I think, is what so he is. So he's
3: passing the test. Aaron Donald didn't do that. You know, like, he, he was <laughs> – No, for sure. He fell 13 – he fell 12 spots because it was like, he's too short. He's not going to be killing people
2: like that. And, yeah. Which it that is it's an interesting dichotomy because Donald was like the most decorated defensive player in college football history. Like he won every award you can win, dominated at Pitt. Kenlaw, super, I mean, freakishly talented guy. I mean, which actually I was gonna say you know mediocre program, but so was Pitt. Yeah, and it didn't matter for Donald. Whereas you know Kenlaw doesn't have the freakish production. He does have the freakish measurables. I think beauty's in the eye of the beholder there because you see some tape where he absolutely just kills people. He's got some yeah. really crazy bend if you saw one-on-one pass rush drills yesterday. But at the same time, you're like, okay, where's the consistency? Yeah. So it is interesting. Yeah, I mean, And, I mean, that's awesome that he thinks he can be better than Donald. Like every draft prospect I've ever talked to. You're thinks, not sold, though? Oh, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, if he's there at 17, I'm definitely interested. Okay. Um I just think it's funny that Donald used the Senior Bowl as a launching pad. So yeah. it's only Wednesday. You know, Ken Law's got two more days of practice to go. We'll see what people are saying about him because this is really the only opportunity where you actually get to do football. He looked pretty good yesterday. I don't know if he looked as good as Aaron Donald did when he came here, though.
1: Aaron Donald was the 13th overall pick in 2014. There so we go. And by that time, Which, it was I mean
2: the that's St. Louis Rams. Utterly insane. Yeah, unbelievable. Like, I mean, and you know. Nick's absolutely right. Like, if he's six one instead of like five eleven, he's top three pick. You know, I remember. That,
3: that draft, there were three defensive players the Cowboys really wanted, and then and and they all went ahead of the Cowboys. They're they're sitting at I believe uh, 16. sixteen, and Donald was one of them. Anthony Barr was another. Ryan Shazier, well, they all was another. went off
2: the board like within five picks. And um, you know,
1: <laughs> we all kind of see that lining up in the draft like this too. I mean, you got guys like Grant Delpit. You got a guy like uh, like Javon Kinlaw, maybe Xavier McKinney. Sure, those are three guys the Cowboys could be honing in on in terms of a draft pick defensively in that first round and sitting at seventeen. There's no or there's no nothing that says that they won't be gone by well, the time seventeen yeah, well, rolls around. Let's
3: also point out the fact that Cowboys got Zach Martin. Yeah, you know, at sixteen and had to fight off Jerry not to take Johnny Manziel. And they ended up, you know, with Zach Martin. So it ended up, it ended up working out great. Yeah, I, I guess you would I hate saying this about Zach Martin. Would you rather have Aaron Donald?
2: Yes. Mm, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's, that's no disrespect towards Zach Martin to say he's that been incredible. You, you would rather have arguably the best defensive player in the NFL who, over the last who, decade. You have a great memory when it comes to draft. Who went number one in that draft? That would have been 2014. Uh, was that Clowney's draft? Or was Cl- Clowney? Was... No, Clowney was before that. I think he was 2013, wasn't he? No. The yeah. uh, number one. Sorry.
3: Oh, Sorry to ask this. No, this is gonna, <laughs> well, this is going to drive me crazy. Derails have, it a little bit. Oh, but I my know my point is, is, I don't even remember who went top five. Mm. But I, I, it's going to be hard to, to say that Donald and Martin wouldn't be in the top three or four picks there. It was Jadavian Clowney, by the way, as the top pick. I knew so it. Well done, David Hellman.
2: Good memory, All right, memory, let's go, Dave. go
3: through a little bit.
1: Okay. No, no we'll yeah, I mean, well,
2: oh, it's a pretty loaded draft, but the top five is not that great. Yeah, you got Clowney and then Greg Robinson, the offensive tackle still from Auburn. In league? No. Or if he is, he's
1: like, uh, you know, I don't that's think That's unbelievable. So. He's just uh, hanging on. Blake Bortles, Sammy Watkins, he's still in the league, of course, at four. And then it goes Khalil Mack, Jake Matthews, Mike Evans. Not bad. Pretty good. I mean, yeah. those are three guys that have been to a Pro Bowl uh justin gilbert was eighth anthony barr went nine eric ebron tenth odell Beckham went 12th to the giants one pick before aaron Donald.
2: this i mean that was a really great draft but i mean to nick's point if you're looking at this you're saying if you're redoing it khalil mack mike evans um i think if you you redid
3: that draft you would probably take zach martin
1: we got a pretty third, good pass rusher in that draft fourth. too, because that was the same draft the Cowboys went and selected
2: Demarcus Lawrence in the second round at thirty-four. Yeah, so really you got a good, good pass,
1: ru- pass rusher with there, and you got
2: in your first two picks, you got Zach Martin and D. Law. So. And where are the Cowboys picking? Right around that there, same Which, spot. It sounds dumb to say, but I mean, this is as high as they've picked in recent memory because, thanks to all these good draft picks, they've been finishing with winning records. Like, this is their worst record since 2016. Yeah, And they got Martin after a mediocre season in 2013. So I'm really excited about who's going to be there for them at 17. What I, what I like <laughs> about that pick, and, and, and certain
3: positions are that way, is that if you say 16th, 17th pick, uh, you know, can you really get a good player? If you get valued um, spots like a guard, Yeah, you know, if you take a guard at 16 or 17, you're gonna get probably the best guard in the draft, maybe. It depends. I mean, I know Quentin Nelson a few years ago went five or yeah. six, and, and he's been awesome. But you you take a guard that high. If you take a center, I'm not saying the Cowboys need those spots, but tight end, yeah, traditionally is that way. Now th- there's an exception to the rule, I guess, in Eric Ebron, but, um, you know he's an interesting name too because mm-hmm. he's he's gonna be a free agent, right?
2: that is really interesting. and I
3: and I I That's think super interesting wow, I it, think he's a guy that you, Jerry and 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 you know will and I think we'll see about McCarthy if they they like that kind of mm-hmm. player but that wouldn't be surprising to me we've got a guy in Blake Jarwood yeah we like him but he's a 26 year
2: old free agent mm hmm let go out and see what we can do here. That eighty million dollars of cash—they can't—they cash can't, can't fill all their needs in the draft. No, no, and they and it's almost—it's—it's it's refreshing. Like it would be so easy to just turn this into like the Dak and Amari watch for the rest of the year, you know. But like that—that that, I'm just not even worried about that. Those guys are—they're going to get tagged if I had to guess, and those negotiations will play out on their own time but I don't have to sit here and wonder whether he's going to be part of the team, either one of them. And so that allows us to focus on what do you do at tight end? What do you do at safety? What do you do at defensive tackle? What do you do at cornerback? Uh, can they afford to bring back Byron Jones? Does this coaching staff even want to bring back Byron Jones? Because I mean, you know, he was about to be an outcast until Chris Richard showed up, and now Chris Richard's leaving again. It's it's really fascinating. I wish you know, it's it's still basically it's too early in the process for us to know, but over the coming weeks, we're going to start to get answers to some of these questions. And so I, we'll- I did ask uh, Stephen, and of course, he didn't answer. He walked off. He was like one.
3: Dak to Amari, and then of course I'm like number three, not ready to say who's number three.
2: We don't know. He's like
3: "Ah, I'm not going that far, (laughs) but that's you know that's what we do. We we, I mean we think it's Byron Jones or Malik Collins and. You never know. They they might look
2: at it. Might be Robert Quinn. Yeah. In there. You never know. But Wait, Michael Bennett. They have to address some of these concerns in free agency. And that's the I mean, you know, you, you do what you can in free agency, which opens you up in the draft. That's, you know, that is the goal every single year. They haven't always done as good a job of it as other years. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to think the way they could shape this and how that will affect their decisions in the draft. And we'll talk more about that draft tomorrow, 11 o'clock,
1: right back here on DallasCowboys.com and on the draft show. Yeah, you got it back here. Uh, David, uh, I will be back tomorrow at 11 o'clock. We'll switch out Nick Eatman for Bucky Brooks. Yes. We'll join us excited will join here about that. Uh, at the insert hotel name here. Don't want to give that away because I would give, <laughs> uh, give it way too much information. So we'll be back. One more segment on the way for the break here on this Wednesday. When we come back, we'll talk about a new rule potentially and being experimented on in the Pro Bowl when we return here on DallasCowboys.com
0: Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal.
2: Eh, it's okay.
0: Just okay? What's not too... right above the subway!
2: Well, I bet you don't
0: even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! The deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Dr. Pepper. So nice to treat you. Back to the break.
1: Final segment here of the break, live from Mobile, Alabama, in the 2020 Reese's Senior Bowl. David Hellman, Nick Eatman, Kyle Yeoman's with you here on DallasCowboys.com and DallasCowboys.com Radio and Guys Pro Bowl. It's always been a fun time to kind of experiment with new NFL rule changes. They're going to do it again this year, like no tackling. Yeah, and no, no effort. <laughs> no defense. <laughs> say, you
2: said, you, like you said, it's always a fun time, and I'm I was like, like where, like, where, is, where is, is this going? This. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not. They, yeah. they have fun out there.
1: Sometimes. <laughs> uh, but they're going to insert what could be a new rule for onside kicks, and I found this extremely interesting. So basically the rule is the team that just scored, instead of having an onside kick or kicking off to their opponent – They would get the ball at their own 25-yard line. That's where they would start. They'd give, ultimately, a fourth and 15. The scoring team has to gain 15 or more yards. It would retain possession and continue that drive. However, if in that one play they did not convert the 15 yards, the opposing team would get the ball back where that ball was spotted at the end of the play. So if you gained 10 yards, you would get it at the, the opposing team would get it in yeah. enemy territory at the 35-yard line. If it was an incomplete pass, then you're all the way back at the 25. And with a play like that, you think about it, It's if with it being 4th and 15, it's mostly a passing down. That's going to be a passing situation. So my question is to you, what do you think about this? It's kind of intriguing to think about just the fact of
2: having a different way to retain possession late in games. I like the spirit of it. Um, because I think that's what that's what it's going to take to work around the way the game is changing is like innovation and new ideas. Because I mean, honestly, what's the point of an onside kick right now anyway? Like, yeah. I think I think two were recovered in the NFL this season. Or I mean, it was it was certainly less than five out of however many dozen were attempted, mm-hmm. or, or even a hundred. Like, the success rate was nothing, and so it's a pointless play, which takes the excitement out of the game because it. It basically kills the ability for somebody to come back by down multiple scores. So if this is a way you can reintroduce that and have teams have more hope of doing it, I'm all for it. Um, Going through it off the cuff, like, it does suck that that kind of removes some of the surprise element. Like, a cool thing about an onside kick is you can never completely predict when it's going to happen. And this obviously is a situation where the defense will be ready for the play. Mm-hmm. But again, if it can inject some drama into late-game scenarios, I'm but all for it. I,
3: I, I thought the same thing, but I think you still have your surprise on sidekicks during the game. I think in this case, you know, you're only going to do it. You're only going to give an opportunity for, to, to, to be on defense on the 25-yard line. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're only going to do that if you just have to late in the game. You know, I mean, it's just late in the game when everyone knows you're going to onside kick anyway. So. Well,
1: well uh, to counteract that point, what about the teams that look at it analytically or maybe have a strong passing game in terms of hey, I have Pat Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers in the backfield. Good, let's throw it. Let's go. For hey, it. I would be fourth all and for fifteen. It. If I had
3: the thirty-second ranked defense and I was going up against the number, I'd say the number one offense, but that would be Dak. But we know what we're talking <laughs> about. We know what we're talking about. Hey-oh. You know, I'm just saying, if I had the worst defense in the league and I was playing the best quarterback and the best passing game in the league, yeah. I'd take my chances on fourth and fifteen. That the analytics say that that you're not going to get that. That's why. That's why it's put it, put it there. I don't like the twenty-five yard line. Okay. I don't that's just me I I don't like the fact that you're already in field goal range because if you do an onside kick and they recover it they recover it at the 40 yard line 45 yard line you're not on you're not in field goal range you're not you, you still have to a little bit of work it's great field position but I don't like the 25 um, I've seen it who else was doing this was it the uh, AAF uh it's something similar to that 28 yard line yeah. I have seen on the 28 that's still down there pretty i mm. i'm about the
1: 35 well i know the broncos tried to get something similar to this past last year or yeah. maybe two years ago and they got shot down pretty quickly
3: i like the 35 yard line and i and it could be a fourth and 12 mm-hmm. you know you get it you're at midfield
2: i mean you're, you're you're cooking at that point the irony is that so they're doing this in the pro bowl yep i mean Talk about not a representative. Yeah, like, that's what a- is that? atmosphere? Like well, they don't—they're not going to play defense anyway. Picking up fourth and fifteen should be easy at the Pro Bowl. That and
3: also, what's the you know what's the recourse? Yeah. Oh, we don't have it. Like, oh, we didn't get it. Like, okay,
2: well. It, it just gives people a chance to see how it would yeah, work in a Yeah, I like
3: situation. it, but I, it's not going to. Well,
1: maybe it gives people like us a chance to just have this conversation and to kind of work through what could and could not be
2: I problems. Mean, I them. love I... the idea of finding ways around. And, look, like, I get it. You, I mean, you need to make the game safer. We know too much about it to keep doing things the old way. Mm-hmm. But, again, it kind of <laughs> kills some of the drama of, it kills some of the drama of the game when you know, you know that nobody fields onside kicks anymore. Like yep. It just doesn't happen. It, well, onside kicks that were at a, a historic
1: rate of about 21% through 2017, it went down in 2018 to 7%, and then it went back a little bit up in 2019,
2: 13%. That's honestly that's, shockingly that's high. Not,
1: that's actually not, that's not converting it, though. That's just how many attempts they Okay. Oh, That's how many attempts they, they had. Okay.
2: That... Attempts they had.
3: You know, there, there you go. I would rather see tweaks to that, to that rule, to, to those to alignments. To how the onside kick is yeah. done. Yeah, and, and I know that safety is a big part of it here too. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't like, you know, the, the, there's a lot of purists out there that are like, I don't, I, why do you got to change it and all that? But if that was the case, way back when somebody was said, you know what if we just put helmets on these guys and they're like no we can't do that you know well let's put helmets and then let's put face masks and then mm-hmm. you know and here we are so you got to keep like Dave said you got to keep evolving I, I I get that but you know I'm I don't like the kickoff rule as it is I yeah. hate seeing a guy stand back there with his hands up I, I want to see the kickoff return I think it's one of the most exciting plays in the game then again mm-hmm. I've never been hurt doing it so well
1: what do you think about the the XFL is going with a new kickoff rule where You start within 10 yards of each other, and it's basically a punt. So you have a a punter back, however many yards. I don't know exactly what it is. You have a returner back, and then you have 10 guys up on the line of scrimmage. They're 10 yards away from each other, and basically, as soon as the ball is kicked, they collide and they go for it, and it's supposed to be safer because it's only 10 yards away and then you get the return and you still have strategic
2: looks like rugby a little bit <laughs> just like yeah that i mean i don't know a lot about rugby or australian rules football but like that's what it sounds like yeah. but i mean again, it's after the catch
1: not after the kick
2: I, me. I mean i agree with nick that the kickoff is one of the coolest plays in football but it's almost pointless these days like there's a few teams that know how to take advantage of it but i would rather see innovations to keep these things in the game than just keep Kicking ninety eight percent of kickoffs through the back of the end zone, or just
1: putting the ball down and saying gain fifteen yards. Yeah. Or do you like that? Or do you
2: think that's fun? I think it. I think it would be fun yeah. if team like if if teams thought they had a realistic shot to get the ball back. I mean, mm-hmm. if, you know, pick, and picking up fifteen yards is hard man i would love to see that play out i mean picking up 15 yards against an nfl defense that knows you have to pass yeah that's easier said
3: than done here's the question that we talked about before the show that Mm -hmm. okay so let's say that's the rule does illegal contact a five-yard penalty would that give you a first down? automatic
1: first down no way
3: like in that situation you've got to you have to get the 15. i would think you've got to have a penalty it's a face mask or pi or something that gives you 15 that's fine but
2: nothing short of that should, should you know. Oh, my. I, I mean, I'm just imagining Pat Mahomes, like, lining up and just chunking, like, a go ball to Tyreek Hill on four, fourth and 15, you know. But, like, they're just going for the end zone and. Stop us! I mean, we're we're gonna complete it, or you have to tackle us, and we get the DPI. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff you can do. Rods,
3: Rod Marinelli's defense—they always would call it
2: with money forty-four, money forty-four, which
3: uh, all the defense was lined back, and I mean, you'd have guys just standing at the first down marker. So uh, that's gonna that would be very challenging as well. I mean, yeah, um, but probably easier to get than your, you know, than your onside kick the way it is right now.
2: I like the idea, and I don't know, it might. Uh, I'm still not going to watch the Pro Bowl, but I'll be <laughs> curious to see what happens. I'll probably go look for the results on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. You know.
1: They're also playing around with uh, a potential new rule in terms of false starts and a new way to to kind of back off on false starts a little bit in terms of the flags being thrown. They're trying to loosen up the rule. They already uh, loosen up. Like I swear to God, apparently to-
3: is the case. What's what are they? What's uh, I need more of this. It's
1: tough to say. So it's it, it is a false start if a flexed eligible receiver in a two point stance who flinches or picks up one foot as long as his other foot remains f- partially on the ground and he resets one second prior to the snap.
3: Chris Beam, you have you have some of this. So it's
1: kind of yeah. It's like a, he's our producer yeah, here.
2: It's it's like a it's a legal shift. It's all legal shift
1: not necessarily false starts it's
2: an illegal shift it's with the wide receivers, not with oh okay, okay. i that love that i was going to say does anybody else feel like i saw more offensive linemen get away with jumping early this season than i can remember in the rest of my yeah. life
3: well i think what's weird too is that you know they're always making calls and stuff in the guard and the center yeah. and the, they got their hand up and they turn and look back here and then but all of a sudden if you just kind of flinch barely like that's a penalty that's a, that's a but false everything start. else yeah. I have a, I have a whole problem with with <laughs> with the way that works because I I hate the fact that, that the defensive linemen, I mean, they're getting hard counted, which is fine. You can do that, right? You the guy can change his cadence. But then if you jump off sides, I mean you jump just for a second and then try to go back, the offensive lineman can can pop up and say and now you're, you know, now it's a penalty. Absolutely. So I I don't know. All these rules are for the offense. Yeah.
2: And, 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 and saying with are the 4th and 15, there was 25 times in the league this year that it was 4th or 15 and greater. It only They
0: only converted 6 times, so it's 24% of the time.
2: Wow. wow. That's still higher than onside kicks. Like, that, that's, that's more than I would have thought yes. and more than an onside kick. So yeah, if it's going to make the end of games more entertaining, I'm all for 15
3: it. 15 times in the whole league last year, there was a 4th and 15?
2: No, 25 20 times. times. And they got twenty-five sick. and six of uh, twenty-five is
0: twenty-four percent of the time,
1: and that makes sense because yeah. I feel like that stat would have to be specifically for fourth and fifteen. It can't be fourth and sixteen or fourteen because of the rule and probably uh, what's being written. Oh, it had exactly. to be exactly fourth. fourth and fifteen. I got you most likely for that to happen, well, which is twenty-five times is kind of a lot. Well, that.
3: and and, that, and that's a little bit that stats, you know, is a little skewed just because. They could be 4th and 15 from the 20-yard line going yeah. in. That's, that's definitely hard to get. You don't have a lot of space. 4th and 15 from your own 25 with Tyreek Hill or somebody that can just, you know, that's part of the play. He mm-hmm. can go deep. So that's, that'll be interesting. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, my first thought is I don't know if I like that, but, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see.
1: Really quick, because Dave brought up the point of the Pro Bowl maybe not being the best place to test it. Would you be okay seeing it in a preseason game?
2: Yes. Yeah. Let's go. I think that'd saddle be fun. up uh, again, and it, I mean everybody's excited for the preseason when it gets here because it's been so long since we've seen uh-huh. football. But like by week two, you're over it. Yep. So. Again, week three week four. Make uh, these. Give four. me a reason to be more intrigued by these preseason games. Hmm? Like, give me a reason for them to like try unless, all that stuff out.
3: Unless that that going for two, or, or I mean that, that uh, onside kick is going to maybe lead to an overtime game. Then no, I'm not cool with that.
2: <laughs> I'm not yeah, cool. no overtime in the if, preseason. If, if please, you're like down do by
3: seven, and you know, I'm like, just kick off. Like you not <laughs> like. Why it, do just you have get
1: it done? <laughs> let's, let's get it out of here. Well, we're going to get out of here as well. That's going to do it here for the break. Dave and Nick will be back next week with Derek and Ambar back at the SWBC Mortgage Studios in Frisco. It's been fun filling in with you guys. And, of course, you can catch Dave and myself on the draft show tomorrow, 11 o'clock. We'll be here with Bucky Brooks. And that will be a whole lot of fun wrapping up day two of the Senior Bowl and then looking ahead to day three, the final day that we'll be here for the Reese's Senior Bowl in 2020. So for Dave Hellman, Nick Eatman, I'm Kyle Yeomans saying so long for Mobile, Alabama. This is DallasCowboys.com
0: Radio.